Well, it's awesome to be with you all today and to be continuing our series on the Holy Spirit. A um, couple of weeks ago, we started a series entitled, Who is the Holy Spirit? And last time we looked at the fact that the Holy Spirit is God. He's God and he's part of the Trinity. He's not just some good spirit that was created sometime by God. He is, he is God and he's part of the Trinity. And it's important we recognize that he is God. He's co-equal with God. And today we're going to be continuing with our series. So it's a, who is the Holy Spirit? Part two. And we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit is a person. So today we're looking at the fact that the Holy Spirit, yes, he's God, but today we're looking at he is a person as well. And I'm quite excited about that. Some people view the Holy Spirit as some type of cosmic influence, as some type of ethereal vapor that just hangs around um, that we can't see, but he's just somewhere out there. Um, some people even refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. Um, he's not an it. He is a person. He is a he. And although the word for spirit is neuter in the original language, uh, in its agenda assignment, um, the Holy Spirit is usually referred to by masculine pronouns. Uh, so the Holy Spirit is not only God, but he is also a person. And today, as we explore, um, we're answering the question, how do we know that he's a person? And that's what I'm going to be exploring. How do we know that the Holy Spirit is a person? As we do so, I'm really trusting that we will get to know him better and we will fall in love with him more and we will go a bit further on our, on our journey in terms of our relationship with the Holy Spirit, with hearing from him, with prayer, with all of these important things. Um, but before I get started, let's open in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how it speaks to us, how it always accomplishes that which you send it for. And so today, Lord, even as we unpack these particular scriptures and explore the Holy Spirit and who he is, we really ask that you would open our hearts and minds to receive revelation from your word concerning the Holy Spirit, concerning who he is. May you help us to fall more in love with him and with his ministry. May, may you help us to have a hunger to go deeper in our relationship with you, Holy Spirit. And so we invite you into this time. Come and speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. Come and open our eyes. Come and grant us that spirit of wisdom and revelation, which is really who you are. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I am excited to get into this uh, today. Um, how do we know that the Holy Spirit is a person? Well, the first thing is that Jesus referred to him as a person. In John 15, 26, Jesus says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So Jesus referred to him as a person, the Helper whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, he will testify of me. Another scripture I want to briefly look at, John 16, 13 to 15. Jesus, again, is speaking here and he says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. And he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. 
all things that the Father has on mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. So Jesus here is referring to the Holy Spirit as the helper, as a person. Okay, the second reason um, that we know that the Holy Spirit is a person is his work was to carry on and is to carry on the ministry of a person who is Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit is to carry on the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 16 to 17 says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and we will be in you. So he says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, another helper. This, this in the original language, the another helper, it refers to another of the same kind. So if the Holy Spirit is to be able to do the work of Jesus, to fulfill the ministry of Jesus in and through the church, and if he's another of the same kind, and Jesus is a person, then he too is a person. He's another of the same kind. He must be a person. Number three, the Holy Spirit has three elements of personality, which is what a person has. The Holy Spirit has a mind. In Romans 8, 27, it says, Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So the Holy Spirit has a mind. Secondly, the Holy Spirit has a will. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, in speaking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit distributes them, it says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So as He wills, as the Holy Spirit wills, He distributes those gifts um, to, to, to each one. Number three, the Holy Spirit has emotions. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve him so he can be grieved. Romans 15.30 says, Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Holy Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Through the love of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves. The Holy Spirit has love. Okay, Romans 8, 26 to 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know, when you're praying and there's the groanings involved, often there, there's deep emotion involved, deep compassion, deep love. There's, there's, there are emotions involved. And so when he prays for us and he's praying through us, often his emotions are involved. Okay. And some more points about the Holy Spirit and his emotions. Like I said, he can be grieved because, um, and I'll read it in the Amplified from, uh, from Ephesians 4.30. The Amplified, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not offend or vex or sadden him by whom you were sealed and branded as God's own for the day of redemption from evil. 
through Christ from evil and the consequences of sin. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not offend Him. Do not vex Him. Do not sadden Him. Do we know the things that sadden Him personally in our own lives? Do we know the things that He finds offensive? He can be grieved. He can be rebelled against. Isaiah 63 verse 10 in the Amplified says, But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore he turned to become their enemy and himself fought against them. Speaking of God, the Holy Spirit can be rebelled against. The Holy Spirit can be insulted. Hebrews 10 verse 29 says, How much greater punishment do you think that a pers- that person deserves who has contempt for the Son of God and profanes the blood of the covenant that made him holy and insults the Spirit of grace? The Holy Spirit is known as the Spirit of grace and insults the Spirit of grace. So the Holy Spirit can be insulted by us. The Holy Spirit can also be lied to. Many of us are familiar with the scripture in Acts, um, which refers to Ananias and Sapphira. Acts 5 verse 3 is speaking. Peter is speaking to Ananias and says, Why has Satan filled your heart that you should lie to and attempt to deceive the Holy Spirit and should in violation of your promise withdraw secretly and appropriate to your own use part of the price from the sale of the land? Why has Satan filled your heart that you should lie to and attempt to deceive the Holy Spirit? You see, what had happened is Ananias and Sapphira had sold a piece of land and said and, and presented the proceeds from the sale and had said, we are presenting the, all the proceeds from the sale, but they'd kept some back from themselves. So the sin wasn't that they kept some back for themselves. The sin was that they were attempting to deceive Uh, The leaders, they were attempting to deceive the Holy Spirit and say, here is everything. But meanwhile, it kept some back. So that was the sin. So he he tried to lie to the Holy Spirit. We can't lie. We can't lie to the Holy Spirit. We can't deceive the Holy Spirit. Okay. Matthew 12, verse 31 to 32 in the Amplified shows us that the Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy Every evil, abusive, injurious speaking or indignity against sacred things can be forgiven men. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not and cannot be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, the Holy One, will not be forgiven either in this world and age or in the world and age to come. So the Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. The Holy Spirit can be resisted. Acts 7 verse 51 from the Amplified says, You stubborn and stiff-necked people, still heathen and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you are always actively resisting the Holy Spirit as your forefathers were. So you are and so you do. You You are always actively resisting the Holy Spirit. Do we resist our consciences? Do we resist when the Holy Spirit is attempting to lead us in a certain direction? Those types of things, I believe, at a certain point begin to grieve the Holy Spirit. And as we walk more and more in relationship with Him, we'll begin to sense when we grieve Him. We'll begin to sense when we're resisting Him. 
okay? He can be resisted. He can be put to the test. In Acts 5 verse 9, continuing in the account of Ananias and Sapphira, Peter speaking to Sapphira says, how is it that you have agreed together, obviously with Ananias, to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. And we know that both Ananias and Sapphira both collapsed, uh, fell down dead because they tried to deceive the, the leaders and tried to deceive the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can be put to the test. We also see that the Holy Spirit can be quenched. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19, it says, Do not quench, suppress, or subdue the Holy Spirit. Do not quench Him. Do not suppress Him or subdue Him. Now, I'm not saying that you have to just, in church, go wild with whatever you're sensing, with whatever comes out of your mouth and just let rip. No, the Bible says that the Spirit of prophets are subject to the prophets, that we are, you know, the, the manifestation of the gifts and all of these things. We are in control. Things need to be done in an orderly fashion. All the other biblical principles concerning order, concerning submission, concerning all that, all that still stand. However, it says, do not quench, suppress, or subdue the Holy Spirit. We can do that in our personal lives. We can do that in our relationships. And yes, we can do it in the church. We can do it in, the, in our workplaces. So do not quench the Holy Spirit. Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be provoked. We see this in Psalm 106 verse 33. It says, for they provoked his spirit so that Moses spoke unadvised, uh, unadvisedly with his lips. So they provoked his spirit as in the Holy Spirit, the Lord's spirit. So he can be provoked in, in a New King James Version translation. It says, because they rebelled against his spirit as in God's spirit, Moses spoke rashly with his lips. So the Holy Spirit can be provoked. And guess what? The Holy Spirit can be pleased. He can be pleased. Um, Acts 15 verse 28 says, For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to not lay hand, uh, to not lay upon you any greater burden than these indispensable requirements. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit, for it pleased the Holy Spirit and us to not lay upon you any greater burden than these indispensable requirements. So they're things that please the Holy Spirit. I could sense his pleasure even as I was preparing this a message about him. The Holy Spirit can be pleased. Do you know how you can please the Holy Spirit? It's important as we're wanting to cultivate our relationship with him, that we understand these things. How do we grieve him? How do we please him? You know, understand as we walk with him. Okay, moving on. Um, the fourth reason uh, why we know that the Holy Spirit is a person is he performs the actions of a person. He performs the actions of a person. The first one is that he speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks. In Acts 13 verse 2, it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, so he spoke. And it's interesting what he says to them. He says, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them, which I have called them. Remember, we were reading those scriptures earlier where Jesus is talking about the, the helper. And he says, he will take what, what for the father has given me. 
and what is his and I give to the Holy Spirit what is mine and the Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his own authority but he only speaks what he hears and so there's such unity in the Trinity and the Holy Spirit here was speaking the will of God the work to which I have called him the work to which the Father to which Jesus has called him the Holy Spirit is speaking that Okay, but the Holy Spirit speaks and what he speaks is in line with the will and the heart of Jesus and the will and the heart of the Father. And I have some other scriptures there for you in the notes if you're wanting to go and, and look up those particular scriptures. But I've got one more scripture, John 16, 13 to 15. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into, to, into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. This is what I was saying. And he will tell you things to come and he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said he will take of mine and declare it to you. Beautiful. Such unity in the Trinity. Now the Holy Spirit speaks in different ways. And I just wanted to quickly whet your appetite. This is not an exhaustive list, but just to... Say the Holy Spirit can give us a vision. He can give us a gentle picture or a loud picture of something on the canvas of our heart or in our mind's eye. And when he gives us a picture, it can be symbolic. It can be literal. And if it's symbolic, it can be biblical symbolism. It can be our personal symbolism. It can be contemporary symbolism. And so it's important that we walk in relationship with him, that we can best understand and uh, what he's actually saying, interpret what he's saying, because most of the mistakes that we make in hearing uh, the Holy Spirit and understanding what he's saying is the interpretation of what, he, what, he's, what he's giving us, because I can get a dream, I can get a vision, that's not difficult to do, the difficult part is the interpretation of it, the difficult part is the application of it, what do I do with this word I've received, you know, who is it for, is it, is it for me to just pray, or is it for me to share, is it literal, or is it symbolic, and if it's symbolic, is it my symbols, or is it somebody else's symbols, because a dog to me is a friendly pet, a dog to someone else can be a threatening menace. And so we have to bear that in mind as we, as the Lord, he, as he speaks to us more and more. So he can speak to us in, in, a, in a vision. He can speak to us in a night vision or a dream. He can bring a scripture to remembrance. He can bring a phrase or something that somebody said, the pastor said, something that you heard someone say. He can bring it to remembrance. Um, he can speak gently to our heart and it can sound like our own internal voice. It may sound like the voice of someone else close to us who we know loved us. It can sound like the voice of a mother or a father or a grandparents and auntie, uncle it can have that sound, but it's the, the, the voice of God. Okay. He may speak to us through one of our five other five spiritual senses. We may smell something in the spirit. We may taste something in the spirit. We may feel something in the spirit. The Holy Spirit loves to speak to us and he's creative in how he speaks. And so we have to say, Holy Spirit, teach me how to hear you. And maybe you hear, but there's always deeper depths to go into. There's always greater heights to go into. And, um, he can speak to us in so many ways. He can speak to us through our children, through someone who's an unbeliever. He can speak, but we have to have our, our ears open, our spiritual ears open to recognize his voice. And John 10 verse 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And so as we 
cultivate our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we'll begin to recognize his voice more and more. And he can help us more and more in terms of interpretation and application. The majority of mistakes we make is in interpretation and application. And so it's really important that we walk with the Holy Spirit so that he can help us to interpret. Or if it's for someone else, that he can help them to interpret the revelation that he's giving us. Amen. So he's a person because he speaks. He's a person because he hears as well. These are aspects of personhood. Okay. He hears. 1 John 5 verse 14 to 15 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And how do we know that this is God, the Holy Spirit that is being spoken about here. Well, Jesus said in John 14, 16 to 17, that he's praying to the Father. He's going to pray to the Father that he gives us another helper who will abide with us, the Spirit of truth. And so the Holy Spirit is with us. So of course, he can hear us. How can God in heaven hear us and the Holy Spirit who is with us not hear us? That doesn't make sense. So the Holy Spirit hears our prayers. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is actually that spirit of grace and supplication. The Holy Spirit is actually the one who helps us to pray. And so when we pray in accordance with the Holy Spirit, in accordance with how he's leading us, in accordance with the burdens that he's giving us with the word that is bubbling forth out of our mouths, of course we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we have the answers to that because we, it's in accordance with his will. So the Holy Spirit hears and he helps with the answering of prayers. And I love this, just exploring deeper in the word of God, this particular um, aspect of hearing that I'm bringing, touching on here very briefly is the Holy Spirit hears. God hears so much more than just what we say with our mouths. He hears so much more. We see this here regarding Ishmael um, in Genesis 16 verse 11. The Lord finds Hagar in the wilderness fleeing from Sarai, who was Hagar's mistress. And he says to her, Behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. Because the Lord has heard your affliction. He hears so much more than what we verbalize in words. The Lord hears, the Holy Spirit hears. Psalm 62 verse 8 says, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Why would we be instructed to pour out our hearts to the Lord if he couldn't hear? If God, the Holy Spirit, who was abiding with us, who was with us, and actually is the spirit of grace and supplication, if he couldn't hear? No, he hears. That's why we to pour out our hearts to him. In Lamentations 2.19, it says, Arise, cry out in the night at the beginning of the watches, Pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift up your hands toward him for the life of your young children who faint from hunger at the head of every street. Head of every street. Pour out your heart. I want to encourage us to pour out our hearts to him. The Holy Spirit hears. He hears our prayers. He hears our supplications. He hears what we pour out like water before him. You see, the Holy Spirit is with us. And I love the scripture 
from Matthew 6 when Jesus is talking about the secret place. It really encourages me. I love the secret place. I love the secret place. It says, but you, when you pray, go into your room and when you've shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. They think they'll be heard by their many words. Therefore, do not be like them for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask of you ask him who is with us the father is with us through the holy spirit the holy spirit we're going to look at that just now the holy spirit is the one who is with us we can be in the secret place no one else knows that we're there we can be a place a season in our life which is a season of hiddenness which is a type of secret place no one else knows we're there but guess what God is with us. God the Holy Spirit is with us. He will never leave us. And God the Father sees us and He knows where we are. And so the secret place is a beautiful place of intimacy. It's a, it's a precious place. The Lord knows we're there. He hears what we're saying in that secret place. The Holy Spirit hears the Holy Spirit is with us. Okay. The next point is he sees. So God, the Holy Spirit speaks. God, the Holy Spirit hears. And God, the Holy Spirit sees. Psalm 139 verse 7 to 12 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be... Uh, Darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Why? Because he sees, because the Holy Spirit is with us. It says in, um, um, in the New Living Translation, it says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go into heaven, you're there. If I go to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me, your strength, support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Why? Because he sees us. He can see us. He sees us so clearly that even the darkness cannot hide us from him. In the same example I shared previously concerning Hagar, um, this is what she says. She called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? You see, she was in a wilderness. She was in a desert. She was in a hidden place. She was in a secret place. But God saw her in that place because God sees and the Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit is always with us. He sees. I want to encourage you. You might be in some type of of desert and some type of wilderness of sorts in some type of waiting for breakthrough in some type 
of, of needing, really needing God to break through, of not being able to rely on anything else, some type of difficult situation. I want to encourage you that God sees you, that God knows you are there, that God has, he will still continue to support you with his hand. Pour out your heart to him. He Wait on the Lord and he will encourage your heart. He will cause you to rise up on wings like eagles. He will help you to run and not grow weary to walk and not faint. Amen. The Holy Spirit searches all things. That's my fifth point under this particular section. 1 Chronicles 28 verse 9 says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. The Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. Another scripture, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 13. I'm going to read it all because it gives us the context. It says, but it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him, which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things which, which, with spiritual. So this particular scripture I'm going to refer to in the next few points. The first point is that the Holy Spirit searches all things. So God searches all hearts and understands the intents of thoughts. He searches all things. That's the first, uh, the first thing. The second thing I'm taking from the scripture is that he reveals and inspires here we see that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal them to us the, the things which God has prepared for those who love him God is going to actually reveal them to us through his Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit reveals things to us and we see this in um, Ephesians 1 verse 17 where it's it's a prayer that Paul is, is praying and he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You see, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of revelation. He reveals things to us. He inspires us. We see it again in Isaiah 11 verse 2 when it's describing the Holy Spirit. It says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Okay, so this is the Holy Spirit. This is who he is. Okay, Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Okay, so 
The next thing is that he teaches. And we saw that in the scripture, the long scripture that I read, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 13. It says, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. So he's a teacher. And John and um, Jesus also mentions this in John 14, 26. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach teach you all things and bring to remembrance the things I said to you. So the Holy Spirit is a teacher. The Holy Spirit also guides into truth. John 16, 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Something that I've mentioned briefly before in this message is the Holy Spirit intercedes. The Holy Spirit is so involved in prayer. Um, Romans 8 verse 26 to 27 says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. This is why it is so important to be um, able to pray in the Holy Spirit, because that is the Holy Spirit helping us to pray um, and helping us to pray in line with God's will when perhaps we're not fully aware what God's will is. And I just want to remind us that this particular portion of Scripture, Romans 8 verse 26 to 27, comes directly before that um, Scripture that so many Christians love to quote about God working out all things for the good of those who love Him. And I remember once um, a, a mighty man of God uh, pointed this out and he said, it's very interesting that that promises there in verse 28 of Romans 8, that God works all things for the good of those who love Him. It's there in the context of prayer and in the context of the Holy Spirit having been praying for us in accordance with God's own will. So I believe that God doesn't, doesn't just work things out for the good of those who love Him, just like, just out of the blue. I believe God responds to prayer. I believe that in Scripture, there's a scriptural precedent for us to follow where we need to pray and intercede that God will come and enter our earthly realm because he set that in place. He said he's given us authority. He's given us dominion. And so if we want his help, we need to ask him. And so the Holy Spirit helps us to do exactly that. So the Holy Spirit is such an important part of, of our prayer lives and of our Bible reading. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us revelation from the word. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to pray in accordance with the will of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings things to remembrance and shows us things when we're praying. And so prayer without the Holy Spirit, I believe, can be very dry and difficult. And so I want to encourage us to go deeper in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, because in doing so, we will hear Him more clearly. We will hear the Lord more clearly. We will understand what He's actually wanting to say. And we'll, our prayer lives will also grow at the same time. And it will be a delight as we walk more closely with Him and um in greater intimacy with him. Zechariah 12 verse 10, the first portion says, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. That's that spirit. That's, that's what I'm talking about in terms of 
the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to grow in prayer and I want to grow in the grace of prayer. And so I need to cultivate my relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the last aspect of uh, the Holy Spirit characteristic of the person of the Holy Spirit that I'm wanting to touch on today is that the Holy Spirit, he comforts. He's a comforter. And in the Amplified Version, John 14 verse 26 reads, But the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things. This is Jesus speaking. And he will cause you to recall, will remind you of, bring to remembrance everything I have told you. And so the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He's the counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, and comforter. And that word in the Greek for comforter, parakletos, or paraclete, it's also rendered, all those other things that are in brackets there in the Amplified, counselor, helper, advocate. And Jesus used this particular term four times in reference to the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and this word is actually also used in reference to Jesus as our advocate with the, with the Father. Although I'm wanting to focus on the comforter part of it. And comfort and aid and help. Um, part of God's nature, part of God's nature towards his creation. We see that God the Father is described as the source of and the God of all comfort. Um, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 to 4 says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So God the Father is a comforter. Jesus is also seen as our helper and our advocate. And it's the same word that is used here. As well, um, Jesus was actually also anticipated as the consolation of Israel. So what I'm showing you here is that the Holy Spirit, our comfort, is the same characteristic that we see in God the Father and in Jesus. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So Jesus is referred to as the consolation of Israel. The word of God or scripture is also to be a comforter to God's people. In Romans 15 verse 4 it says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So comfort is very much on God's heart. God the Father is a comforter. Jesus is a comforter. The word is meant to comfort us. And Jesus called the Holy Spirit comforter. And so even as our God is a comforter, we too are to share in this ministry towards one another. Um, and I read that scripture just now where we, God wants us to comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. Um, but the job description of a comforter, what is that? And I've got scriptures in the notes which back up these particular points. So if you're wanting to go and look at the scriptures, you can do so. It's in the notes. But what, is, what do comforters do? What does the Holy Spirit do as a comforter? 
um, comforters come to the side of and encourage people in times of tribulation, affliction, sorrow, and bereavement. Comforters stand in the gap or intercede for those that are sick or going through difficulties. They encourage and exhort people regarding their future in relation to God's purposes. So these are things that the Holy Spirit, our comforter, does they admonish people when they are not entering into the full privileges of their inheritance. They warn the careless and apathetic of impending danger and encourage watchfulness. So the Holy Spirit does all these things. They exhort and encourage people to follow the ways of God. They warn of dangers they sense in the course they have set for they warn others of dangers they have set in the course for themselves. So if they sense dangers in a course that someone else has chosen to go and they warn. That's part of comforting. They come to the, the side of those who have fallen but have demonstrated repentance. So they come alongside, walk alongside, comfort, strengthen. And the Holy Spirit ministers as a comfort to us, to us in the same way that Jesus ministered comfort to his disciples. Jesus said he would send another comforter to be with them. Um, the two, yeah, and I, and I touched on the two words that are used for another helper, um, and that it means another of uh, one means another of a different kind, and the one that I referred to it means another of the same kind, and that was the word that Jesus was using for another when he said another helper. He was meaning the second of those two words, so he wasn't meaning another of a different kind of helper I will send to you. He was meaning another of the same kind of helper I will send to you. So Jesus sent the Holy Spirit as another of the same kind who will comfort us in the same way that Jesus comforted his disciples. Okay. And um, Jesus basically said that it would be to our advantage, to his disciples' advantage that he would go away and ascend to the Father because he said if he didn't go, the Holy Spirit would not come. Um, and we see this in John 6 verse 7. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So Jesus knew that we needed the Holy Spirit. And this is because prior to his ascension, Jesus was limited by his physical body. Technically speaking, he was only able to minister to one set of circumstances or one group of people at a time. But by sending the Holy Spirit to be with us, he would be able to minister to everyone, everyone in the world at the same time, which is a massive advantage. And that's actually, that's what we need. That's what the church needs. And so, in conclusion, um, in our previous message on the Holy Spirit, we looked at the Holy Spirit as God. So the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. And today we explored the Holy Spirit as a person. So we discovered that the Holy Spirit is also a person today. And we looked at some of his characteristics. Jesus referred to him as a person and his work is to carry on the ministry of Jesus, a person. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is a person. We also saw that the Holy Spirit has three elements of personality. He has a mind, he has a will, and he has emotions. He can be grieved, he can be vexed, he can be rebelled against, he can be insulted, he can be lied to, he can be blasphemed, resisted, he can be put to the test and quenched, he can be provoked, and he can also be pleased. We also saw that the Holy Spirit performs the actions 
of a person. He's a person. So he speaks and he hears, he sees, he searches, he reveals, he inspires, he teaches, he guides into truth, he intercedes, and he also comforts. And so with that, I want to encourage us all to go deeper this week in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, to cry out for that. And um, yeah, I want to love to close in, in some prayer. Holy Spirit, as we come before you this morning, we acknowledge that we have grown familiar with you. We have taken you for granted. We have sometimes possibly ignored your presence. We haven't been aware of your presence, even in prayer. We haven't relied on you. We've made decisions without consulting you. We may have even believed the lie that you are not with us. You cannot see us. You cannot hear us. Oh, Father, would you have mercy on us? Holy Spirit, would you, for, would you forgive us? Have mercy on us, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you fill us up to overflowing? We pray that you would help us to be sensitive to you, to your presence. Help us to grow more intimately connected and deeper in relationship with you, more intimately, more intimate in our knowledge of you. Would you sharpen our spiritual ears that we can hear you more clearly? Would you quicken our hearts that we can hear what you speak into our hearts, Lord? Would you help us to hear your voice? Would you help us to see as you see? Would you help us to understand what you're communicating to us? Would you help us to walk with you? Would you help us to grow in the fear of the Lord? Thank you that you are with us always, even to the end of the age. Thank you that you are, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that you are the spirit of grace and supplication. Would you help us to grow in prayer? Would you help us to grow in the grace of prayer? Would you help us to pray in accordance with your will? Would you give us a sense of what pleases you and what displeases you. We love you, Holy Spirit. We cry out for more of you in our lives, in our walk with the Lord, in our Bible reading, in Revelation. We ask for more of that. We cry out for more of you in our relationships. We cry out for more of you in our churches. Would you come and have your way in our church, in our relationships, in our families, in our lives? We honor you today, Holy Spirit, and we thank you for how you comfort us and we thank you for your relationship with us, your patience with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.